the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up into a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept to themselves and kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. So we have a story today about Jesus praying on a mountain, right? He goes up the mountain with his friends, Peter, James, and John, and they're up there praying. What happened to Jesus while he was praying? Do you remember? Yes, his face changed, and he got all these bright-colored clothes. So that tells me that if Jesus lives in you, and 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 me, okay, and we live in him, that that light is within us as well. And when we share it with others, that brings light to them as well. And I think you guys are gonna start school pretty soon, right? Yep. And there's always one child that sits off by themselves at lunch. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you to go and sit with them, eat your lunch with them, and bring the light of Christ with you, just as a friend, okay? And you remember the song, This Little Light of Mine? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's, let's just say it, because I'm not a very good singer. Okay. <laughs> this little light of mine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. I won't let Satan cover it up. No siree. I'm going to let it shine. So you guys go and learn how to be the brightest light you can be.
And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak. Open our ears so that we can hear and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. Please be seated. It's impossible for me to stand here this morning and not think about the fact that today marks the one-year anniversary of my first Sunday as associate here at St. Wilfred's. And somewhat coincidentally, I preached on this exact same gospel passage. I went back and read my sermon from last year, and not surprisingly, I found that while those words still ring true for me, there were different things touching my heart this time around. I say this doesn't surprise me because, after all, a lot's happened since then. It's been an exciting year full of new relationships, hellos and goodbyes all kinds of experiences. It's been a time filled with challenge and blessing. So, so much blessing. So before I go any further, I want to say thank you. The last year with you has been unforgettable, and what we've all experienced together in this last year moves me beyond words. My awareness of this milestone gave me pause to reflect on all that's happened here and all that has happened in my life and in many of yours. And I realized that none of us are exactly the same person we were a year ago. There's been struggle and triumph in that time as well as disappointment and hope. And though we may be able to see the impact of certain moments in retrospect, could we have talked about their impact as they were happening? In the course of a year, there are myriad changes that happen to each of us through our lived experiences, both as a community and as individuals. Do we understand the changes at the moment they happen. I wonder. In our gospel passage today, Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, John, and James to pray. And we're told that while they're up there, Jesus' appearance suddenly becomes dazzling white and his friends see him talking to Moses and Elijah, two of the most revered figures in all of Judaism. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems pretty mind-blowing to me. And when this incredible thing occurs, just like we do today with our camera in our hand, wherever we go lifestyle, Peter wants to capture it. Though his way to savor the moment is to suggest building houses for Moses and Elijah and Jesus, as if Jesus was going to suddenly stay put. But before Jesus can even say anything, they're enveloped in a cloud and they hear the voice of God proclaiming that Jesus is indeed the Son 
of God, and they should listen to him. When the cloud disappears, they go back down the mountain in silence and don't tell anybody what they saw or heard. And it's that last part right there that got my attention. I picture them in that moment walking together in silence, trying to process it all and not knowing what to say about what had just happened. Let's think about that for a moment because I think there's something critical for us to consider here. What really happened? Well, the first thing is they go up a mountain to pray. And while they're there, suddenly Jesus' appearance seems to change. This was spectacular to be certain, but I would ask this question. Did Jesus really change? Was he less Jesus-y before and more Jesus-y after? Okay, the next thing we see is him talking to Moses and Elijah. Now consider for a moment that there were many who thought Jesus to be the next Moses and many who thought Jesus to be the next Elijah, but not necessarily the Messiah and certainly not the Son of God. Then they hear the voice of God. Just in case the other two things weren't enough, God wants to make sure they know that Jesus is the real deal. I suspect that this experience was so big for them that it stunned them to silence. They had to walk away from this experience seeing Jesus through new eyes. No matter what they thought about Jesus before, seeing him radiant and gleaming, talking to Moses and Elijah had to make clear that he was neither Moses nor Elijah in new form. Seeing him radiant and gleaming, talking to Moses and Elijah, hearing the voice of God proclaim him as God's son would have guaranteed that they would have walked away from this with a whole new understanding of Jesus and the transformative power of his presence. All of that brings me to the question of who exactly got transformed, transfigured up on that mountain. It's easy to focus on Jesus. He's the star of the show, right? But what if this whole transfiguration thing isn't really about Jesus after all? What does transfiguration really mean anyway? As I've said before, I believe that transfiguration is about so much more than just change. Transfiguration points specifically towards beauty, specifically towards the spiritual, specifically towards holiness. And I think that's why it's so easy for us to put our focus on Jesus in this passage. But if we do that, we just might miss the point. In our opening collect today, we prayed that we would be delivered from the disquietude of this world so that we can behold the beauty of Jesus. I think almost everyone in this room knows a little something about the disquietude of this world we live in in one way or another. 
We know that the demands and distractions of our daily lives can sometimes keep us from seeing all the beauty that's right in front of us. And at times, that can keep us stuck. With that collect, we're not praying simply to behold Jesus so we can settle him in a nice little spot like a dwelling on a mountain or in a book or in a church. We're praying for the space and clarity to see Jesus clearly so that we can take him with us to inform the way we live. I think that's what kind of happened on that mountain. They went up there to pray, to get away from the rush of the crowds, from the chaos, really from everything. And while they were up there in that quiet place, they can finally put all the stress down and rest and pray. And suddenly, they see Jesus for who he really is. And not only that, they can hear the voice of God telling them that what they think they've seen is real and true. I would imagine that many of us have had some sort of mountaintop experience of our own, though not necessarily perhaps involving Jesus. It may have been going away to college, traveling abroad, moving to a big city, becoming a parent, or any of the things that we might experience in our lives that impact and shape the people that we are. If you reflect back on those experiences, I bet you'll find that the changes and shifts that happened for you were not necessarily things that you spoke of immediately or even perceived as they happened. I think that's true for Peter, John, and James. Something profound happened to them on that mountain, and they understood something on the way down that they had not on the way up. For them, the experience pointed toward something spiritual and holy, and it moved them beyond words, and what was transfigured in them was their hearts. And it was real and true even if they didn't talk about it right away, and it shaped everything that happened after. They could have run down the mountain and told everyone what they saw, and let's be honest, that's probably what most of us would do. In fact, Peter started moving in that direction when he suggests building the three dwellings to memorialize that place. But had they done that, had they run down the hill and told everyone about this sensational thing that they'd just seen, then that would have become the story. And that amazing story would have been believed by some, likely dismissed by many, and used as a weapon against them by some powerful others who would seek to put down what they cannot understand or control. What mattered is that they came back as different people and it shaped all that came after, not because they shouted it from the rooftops, but rather because what they now knew shaped 
the way, how they interacted with the world. The revelation of Jesus' divinity on that mountain shaped not only how they showed up for Jesus, but how they showed up for the people they would encounter on the other side of this experience. Now, it's obvious, since we're hearing about it, that at some point, at least one of them did share what happened on that mountain that day. But that came later, after the experience had settled in their heart and after it moved them to action. I think that's an important takeaway from this passage this morning. When we think of spreading the good news of being evangelists, most of us will think first of using words. But what if we didn't? I believe that what we're really called to do is to spread the good news by using our hearts and the way we live our lives before we ever speak a word of Jesus to anyone. What would happen if we led with the heart of Jesus instead of the story of Jesus? I wonder if Jesus might be more easily revealed and understood if we focused less on telling people who Jesus is with words than letting him appear in all of his glory through who we are and how we are as people in the world. If we let the heart of Jesus shine out in how we show up for our neighbor in need or for that homeless guy outside our car window or the Muslim woman being taunted in the grocery store or the kid getting bullied in the hallway of a school, then maybe, maybe Jesus is made way more real to someone than could ever be possible by simply sharing his story. At the end of the day, I think that's the point. It's not about Jesus being transfigured. It's about us being transfigured in our hearts and what that transfiguration calls us into. That's really how we share the unconditional love of Jesus with everyone. So come to the table today and be refreshed. Meet Jesus here and let yourself be filled with the heart of Jesus and then go out from here with that heart leading your way because to share anything less than that, to put the words before the heart, well then that makes them just words. 